Welcome in to Leading Edge. I'm Melissa Andrews in for Jerry Anderson this week. You may have heard the FDA recently approved a new drug to treat alopecia. McKenna Wrights is an alopecia advocate and inspirational speaker here in Northwest Ohio. She'll be joining us later on to talk about the drug, how alopecia has changed her life, and an event you may want to attend in support. First, though, Eleven Investigates is bringing about change after dozens of reports of sexual assaults at Cedar Point Housing. My first guest is WTOL 11 lead investigator Brian Duggar. Thanks so much, Brian, for joining us. Sure, absolutely, of course. So this investigation has taken months. It's brought about change, and we'll get to that in just a bit. But first, talk about how you first discovered that sexual assaults were happening at the employee housing units. Yeah, Melissa, we were looking at old court cases, and I think is related to the top throw dragster that uh, accident that happened with the roller coaster a couple years ago. And, and we were trying to see if anybody had sued Cedar Point over it. And what we came across, actually our producer Silas, he uh, came across this court case where a woman was suing Cedar Point because she said she had been raped in the dorms and that Cedar Point should have known that it was a dangerous environment. And from that point, you know, I said, okay, so we need to reach out to the police department and see if they have any additional reports. So we did, we reached out to the police department, made a public records request for any type of- Sandusky police. Sandusky police, to see if they had responded to any type of sexual assaults uh, during 2021. And we were shocked actually to learn that they'd responded to 10 different rape uh, assaults from 2021 alone. So at that point, we're like, well, we need to go back two, three, even up to five years to see how many additional cases there were. So that's kind of the beginning of this discovery that Cedar Point is kind of policing itself. But I know Disney World and things like that, they have their own police department. So was did that make it harder? Was it extremely unusual? Um, is this something that should even be allowed? Yeah, I mean, it really was difficult for us because initially, before we even reached out to, we reached out to Sandusky for those reports, but then we reached out to the Cedar Point Police Department because our thought was, well, Sandusky has 27 reports, maybe Cedar Point has more. And we reached out and the, the uh, police chief gave us a really odd answer. He said, well, we will look into that and I will give this to our attorney to see if we are required to turn them over to you. And, and we later learned that they're claiming that they were a private police department, not subject to Ohio's public records law. Of course, we don't believe that. We believe they are subject to that, but that is their argument, even to this day, that they do not need to turn over those reports. Mm, so kind of uh, very interesting because they are putting themselves out there to the public, inviting people in, but they operate also as a business because they have these kind of private employees. Yeah, they really are. And you think about Cedar Fair owns Cedar Point. I mean, it's about, a, I think, a $5.5 billion company. It's a, it's a huge company. And going back to the private police department, this is settled case law in the state of Ohio. I think there is a case involving the Cleveland Clinic private police department um, that came up before the Ohio Supreme Court. And, and the court rightfully uh, agreed that Cleveland Clinic was subject to public mm -hmm. records law. And of course, we believe the same thing. So the Sandusky Police Department did know about these 27 reports, though. They, they just didn't have jurisdiction over it? They did. So what the agreement was, was that 
Cedar Point police who would call Sandusky if there is any felony type of offense that took place on Cedar Point property. So for a rape, for instance, that was a felony level offense. So a Sandusky police officer, a detective usually would come out and also take a report. Cedar Point police would take a report, but also Sandusky would take a report. Now, the interesting thing is there are some sexual offenses in the state of Ohio, such as sexual imposition, which is a misdemeanor. So we wondered, are there other misdemeanor cases that Sandusky was never called to? And the police chief very honestly told us, he said, I can't tell you that they called us for everything. So there was definitely an environment that allowed this to happen. You had so many women come forward. You talked to HR employees who had pressure to hire as many people as they could. What kind of environment are we talking about that allowed so many of these assaults and rapes to happen there? Well, I mean, you think about a college dorm, right? I mean, you, you got like 18 to 22-year-old kids. They're, many of them away from home for the first time. They're in an environment with other 18, 22-year-old kids, and, and there's a lot of drinking. Uh, there is a lot of uh, drug use from what we've heard, and there is very little oversight. I mean, people to told us over and over, you know, there's RAs on each, each floor, but oftentimes those RAs weren't, you know, doing any type of oversight. And as far as I know, I mean, they weren't doing uh, room checks for like underage drinking. But over and over, we are told there is, there is rampant underage drinking and, and drug use. And, and this was just allowed to go on without any great sort of supervision. And, and to add insult to injury, at least one woman that I'm aware of, when she reported this to her employer, they've been told, please come to HR, as many companies do if you have an issue. When she did that, her assaulter her, kept the job and she was let go. Is that right? Yeah. And yeah, that was a young woman who reached out to us. She was, she told us that she was trying to do the right thing. You know, she had felt very uncomfortable in dealing with this guy and he had pressured her and kind of pushed her up against the wall and kind of said what he wanted to do to her. And she just felt very uncomfortable about that. So she went to HR and her story to us was that HR told her, it's like, yeah, that was completely inappropriate. He shouldn't have done that, but we can't afford to lose him. He's a very valuable employee, and we can't afford to have both of you working here, so we're going to have to let you go. And this was also a story that we had former HR representatives uh, talk to us, and they told us over and over that things like this would happen. People would come to them, and, the, and, and they were discouraged from, you know, they're, they're encouraged to, uh, tell the people that, well, maybe you don't want to go forward with, mm. with this. And, and you found in your investigation as well, Cedar Point to be less than forthcoming. And I know we have their full statement on our website in several areas. And when we come back from this quick break, we're going to talk more about what happens next. Uh, I know that a lot of politicians have spoken out about this, but are they going to take an action about this? We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with lead investigator Brian Duggar after this. 
Welcome back to Leading Edge. Melissa Andrews in for Jerry Anderson this week. We continue our conversation on the investigation into Cedar Point sexual assault claims uh, by employees in the housing there with lead investigator Brian Duggar. Before the break, we talked about kind of what led up to this, the investigation, resistance by Cedar Point. Uh, you've had some action as a result of that investigation, and I know it's been hard, especially when Cedar Point doesn't want to talk to you about it. So what results have we seen so far? Yeah, the, the big action that's happened at this point, Sandusky has actually stripped the police power from the Cedar Point Police Department, which is interesting in itself, saying that they're stripping the police power because Cedar Point, is, as we've talked about, they claim they aren't even a police department. So at this point, if there's any uh, call that happens on Cedar Point property, the dorms, anything like that, the Sandusky police will be the ones that will be called rather than the Cedar Point police. And that's, that's a big deal because during the season, all 911 calls from Cedar Point property were routed to the Cedar Point police. And then they would have to call the Sandusky. So at this point, they'd be routed to Sandusky. So any type of police investigation that needs to be done, it will be done by Sandusky. And we can be guaranteed that there will be a public record. It seems like Cedar Point wants to be referred to as security when they want and a police department when they want. I mean, it really does. And you look at the Cedar Point Police Department, again, they're called the Cedar Point Police Department. They have a chief, they have a lieutenant, they have sergeants. Their officers have to go through police academy training. Um, they can carry a gun. They have arrest power. They can transport people to the, the county jail, I mean, these are all things in Ohio that you have to be a peace officer to do this. So, I mean, they certainly, and we talked to several former Cedar Point officers and they said, yeah, of course we're a police department. So they just don't want to be a police department because then they're subject to more case. scrutiny. Talk about the victims that have come forward because a lot of times when you feel like you're the only one, it's very difficult to do that. and so just the empowerment of seeing other women's stories and then they can speak out and tell their story. Yeah, and several of these women, Melissa, have come to us and said, you know, I, for years, you know, we, I stayed silent. You know, I thought maybe I was the only one and I didn't want to make a big deal about it. But uh, some of these women told us that because we saw the stories and these other people coming forward, I felt emboldened and, you know, I, I felt like I should come forward and also tell my story. Yeah, you gave them a voice. And you also talked to several politicians, people in power here in the state of Ohio, saying, what are you going to do about this? We've dug up all this information. Cedar Point's not being forthcoming. Of course, a politician is going to want to say, bad, 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 Cedar Point, uh, we condemn you. But talk about who's spoken out and whether you think that they're going to take, indeed, any real action here. Yeah, I mean, Sherrod Brown was the one right away initially said that this is just inappropriate. Cedar Point needs to do the right thing. They need to clean up what's going on in the dorms and they need to be more forthcoming. And, you know, he spoke out about it several times. <clears throat> but we've also had other people like uh, Marcy Kaptur and Haraz Gambari and uh, Teresa Fedor. And, and there, there were many, and, and some of them, actually reached out to Cedar Fair and said, you know, something needs to be done. And the interesting thing was Cedar Fair never responded to 
these politicians saying that something needs to be done. So at this point, I don't know. I mean, there's certainly a, a powerful voice, but it doesn't seem like Cedar Fair is listening. Do you think that Cedar Point willingly gave the power over to the Sandusky police, or do you think it was forced upon them? I think it was probably forced upon them because I, I do think that there's probably a lot of Cedar Point officers that are probably not going to be Cedar Point officers anymore because just the way they're streamlining this, uh, maybe they become Sandusky officers, but you kind of have to wonder what's going to happen with like a chief and a lieutenant and a sergeant. I mean, where do they fit into a police department that's not a police department? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we're trying to get these answers from the Sandusky police and the city manager for Sandusky. How exactly this go down? What's going to happen in the future? And they aren't talking to us now either. We have about 30 seconds left. Tell us the work that you see coming in this for you. Well, I mean, the big thing for us, even though Cedar Point is no, they're now declaring themselves the security department, we believe that they still need to turn over the records from the previous five years that we asked for at least, but probably even farther than that. Because just because now they're not subject to the records law because they're a security force, they certainly were mm -hmm. for the past several years. And we think we still have a right to those records. And you believe there are more than 28 cases out there? Absolutely. I completely believe there's more. All right. Our thanks so much to lead investigator Brian Duggar. You can find our entire investigation on Cedar Point on WTOL.com and our WTOL 11 YouTube page. Again, you can find Cedar Point's statement about all this there as well. We'll be right back with alopecia advocate McKenna Wrights on a new drug which promises to grow hair back. Coming up next. Welcome back into Leading Edge, everybody. I'm Melissa Andrews filling in for Jerry Anderson this week. As promised, our next guest is joining us right now. McKenna Wright's here to talk about that new alopecia drug that's available on the market. Thanks so much for joining us, McKenna. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. So you started your journey with alopecia in 2015. What do you think about this drug now uh, being approved by the FDA for people with uh, alopecia? It is so exciting for our community. Just it gives hope. You know, it does it guarantee that it's going to help. We don't know. It's so new, but it just gives that light that so many of us didn't have. Uh, you know, there are so many different treatments that are out there, but nothing that was FDA approved. And having that approval has been such a hope within our community. How many things did you try uh, when you were diagnosed back in 2015? I know that you you've it's been a journey up until now for you to get here. Yeah, it you know, it's honestly, I can't even tell you how many it was. So, you know, from topical creams, different types of topical creams, women's Rogaine, uh, tried different autoimmune uh, medications that actually made me really sick because it compromised my immune system. Um, you know, then went to the steroid injections into my scalp for six months weekly. And, but I was so desperate that I tried, I exhausted all possibilities. I even went the holistic route, uh, trying vitamins and, you know, trying, you know, foot washes, you know, everything, because I was so desperate and you're in that mindset that I want to solve the problem and that I wanted to do anything to get my hair back. And then I finally just said, I'm done. Like I need my body's mind and soul just couldn't take it anymore. Uh, and so this is so exciting for people who are, 
you know, who are struggling and who are needing that light in their life. So do you feel that way still, or would you be willing to try a drug like this and maybe get your hair back to how it was before? You know, being asked that question today is a completely different answer than I would have given you even three years ago, two years ago, um, two years ago, three, four, five years ago, I would have said, absolutely. Let's go. Um, you know, I almost went into a clinical trial within the first in 2016, uh, but it was going to take so much time and effort and money to get out to New York city and fly. And then how do you even know if you're getting the drug? Is it going to be a placebo? But I'm at such a different point mentally that I was even a year ago that, you know, people always ask if you get your hair back, could you? No, I love my life. And I love what alopecia has done for me and for my perspective on empathy and on kindness and on how we treat one another and how we have to look at our own reflection. Uh, too often we are so our, our own worst enemies and, you know, having daughters, having students, having athletes who are young females who are being bombarded by social media and comparing themselves I need to, I, it's empowered me to embrace my natural beauty and it's taken me a while to get where I'm at. It's been an incredible journey, but a journey that I don't want to ever change. And also, I don't know if I could emotionally handle losing my hair again, you know? And so why, why, you know, do something where I am perfectly happy. I want other people who want to try it to have the ability and the access to that drug. You are a Springfield schools teacher. You're a volleyball coach. You're an inspirational speaker. You have such a message of self-love and encouragement. So what you're saying is without alopecia, you may not be where you are today in this journey and inspiring so many other people who have this condition. I, I truly don't believe so. You know, I've been on an amazing journey in life so far. I've been empowered by so many amazing men and women, teachers, coaches, my parents, my, my family, my friends, my teammates from college, but you know, life has to throw us challenges and it does. And it's just called life. And I'm very, very fortunate that no longer is life happening to me. It's happening for me. And when you're able to change that mindset and just accept it, the possibilities are truly endless. So many people are going to hear that message here this morning. What do you hope to accomplish with your upcoming alopecia night? I know this is the fourth alopecia awareness night. You're teaming up with the Cleveland guardians. What are you hoping people will get out of this? The biggest thing is bringing awareness. You know, a, a portion of the ticket proceeds go to the national alopecia at a foundation, but the biggest thing is to bring our community together. Last year, I met some incredible kids who had never seen another human being bald or with alopecia before. And that's what it's all about, is to show others that we're not alone. Regardless if you have alopecia or not, we're on this journey called life together. And, you know, even parents, my parents being able to interact with other parents of children who have alopecia being able to talk and being able just to spread love and spread awareness and team up with, you know, one of my favorite baseball teams of all time is always an amazing thing too. One of my favorites as well. And I noticed that um, at your recent golf outing here in Sylvania, you mentioned that 
I think there was a child that you met at a baseball game as well, right? Yeah, Griffin. Yep. Griffin from Oak Harbor. Uh, You know, he not only did I meet him at the Cleveland Guardians game last year, then he came to the Toledo Mudhens game for awareness night, which we're going to have again in September as well. But then he got to play and he was the youngest player playing in that golf outing. And he was absolutely amazing. And just that smile on his face is worth every minute and was so priceless. And I think with you saying that you're not going to take this drug, I mean, think of how many more people you can impact by still not having your hair. People like Griffin who can still, you know, kind of look up to you and get that same message from you. Tell us about uh, how people can get a hold of tickets. And of course, we'll be putting this um, website as well uh, on our website. Awesome. Uh, They can just contact me. They can email me McKennaWrites at gmail.com. They can find my contact info on my website. Kind of writes, I'm all over social media with just my name to make it as easy as possible. Uh, but the more people we can fill the stands with, it's on the third baseline, it's close to the dugout, it's a great price, it's gonna be a beautiful night, and you know, it's it's for a great cause. Kind of you are so great at inspiring people around our community. Just give us one final thought um, on your mission. The quote that I live by is the problem is not the problem. The problem is the attitude about the problem. When you understand what you are and are not in control over and what we're always control over is our attitude towards whatever life gives us and understand that it happens for us and not to us. McKenna writes inspirational speaker, alopecia advocate. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. We're going to have a final word right after this. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here on Leading Edge. Remember, if you missed any part of this show, you can go to WTOL 11's YouTube page and watch the show in its entirety. We'll see you right here next week.